Welcome to The Kingstonian, a podcast that profiles individuals who are passionate about what they do for a living, about what organization they belong to, or simply passionate about the community they are a part of. Hello there and welcome. My name is Dave Cunningham. On this episode, something a little different. We're going to talk about juggling. Yes, juggling. Did you know there are community groups that get together regularly to teach and learn and organize festivals? Well, there are. And these folks are passionate about what they do. Our guest today is a member of the Queens and Kingston Jugglers Club, and his name is Greg Phillips. Greg, welcome to the program. Oh, thank you very much. Now, uh, a bit about your resume to begin with here. So you are an associate professor of software engineering and the dean of engineering at RMC. You finished up a 20-year career in the military and retired in 2003. And you have not since then cut your hair or shaved your beard. Correct. Okay. But we're not here to talk about that at all. Any of those things. We're here to talk about your passion for juggling. Now, when I thought about this particular idea, it was based upon a conversation I had with Paul Beamish, who is that you know from the club and he uh, was at our ballroom dance class and he was passing around posters that were promoting the uh, festival you have coming up at the end of the month and we'll get to that towards the end of the show but the whole point of it is is that people were sitting around going juggling so all I know about juggling are circuses and street performers but people aren't aware of the fact that there are groups that have sprouted up all over the place where people are taught to juggle and obviously other people learn to juggle. So when did this business of community groups get started? The real community focus in juggling started in the 1960s and 1970s. Before then it was mainly performers. Uh, There were organizations for jugglers, so there was a Uh, An organization formed in 1948 called the International Jugglers Association, which is still going strong to this day. It was originally intended to help performers um, communicate with each other because there was no other real way to do it. It has since evolved into um, the largest membership-oriented hobby juggling community in the world. And then there are juggling clubs in pretty much every major city, small city uh, across North America. Uh, universities, uh, clubs in cities. Some places have multiple juggling clubs in the same town. And it's people who aren't necessarily performers. They're just people who want to get together and juggle, uh, meet with other people, learn new skills, get some coaching, and uh, and have a lot of fun with the community. Now, how long has the group in Kingston been around? The Kingston group was founded in 1992. So we've been around for 27 years now. And I've been juggling with them since 1999. What is probably the most important reason why people take up juggling. It really varies. Um, One of the main reasons I hear, particularly from students, is that they get stuck on problems and they're looking for something physical that's going to take up all of their concentration so they can use juggling as a way to take their minds off their problems and then hopefully maybe in the background they can solve it. Um, And then other people just do it for the sheer physical joy of it. Um, It's the, The movement is actually an awful lot of fun for certain people. Uh, 
Now, you've been juggling a while. You've been teaching juggling for a while. What kind of person comes in? Or not, that's not the question. The question is, how do you go about teaching someone how to juggle? Well, if somebody wants to juggle and they have, uh, you know, basic physical motor control, uh, we can normally teach them to juggle in anywhere between about 15 minutes and two hours worth of practice. Uh, We start them off with one ball, just throwing it hand to hand, trying to get the throws clean. Then add a second ball, try to exchange them. Uh, and then add a third ball and just try to do one, two, three catches and stop. Once that feels comfortable, just keep doing more and more catches. The basic three ball juggling pattern, which is called the cascade, is actually really simple to learn. Um, and most people can can pick it up quite quickly. So when someone walks in the door, uh, what age group do you see most of the time? Uh, well, so most of the time we're based primarily out of Queen's University, although we do have two sides to the club. We have a Queen's Club and we have a Kingston Club, so we accept membership from anywhere. Uh, so, of course, we get a lot of university students, uh, you know, kids in their late late teens, early 20s. Uh, but then aside from that, we've had members of the club as young as about 11, and Paul's currently our oldest member. I think he's 67 right now. Okay. You mentioned before that you've been around for quite a while, so you've had the opportunity to see kids who have started off as kids and have now grown up. Yes. What's that experience like? That's been really amazing. Um, it's, I mean, it's always cool to, to watch younger people grow up. Uh, but, you know, some specific examples as uh, a kid named Wesley Peden. Uh, he's not a kid so much anymore. He's about 30 years old. I met Wes when he was 10. Um, his father was a part-time performer, and Wes fell in love with juggling, uh, became an extraordinarily good juggler, ended up moving to Sweden to study at a circus school just outside of Stockholm, and he's now one of the best jugglers in the world, performing all over the world. So that was really cool. Um, One maybe a little bit closer to home, a woman named Morgan Anderson, who came to the club when she was a first-year student at Queen's, and uh, she'd already juggled a little bit with her dad, and then came in and uh, joined the juggling club and just really fell in love with juggling as a discipline, Um, She was a drama student, did some juggling drama-related stuff while she was still at Queen's, and then she went off to do a master's, and her master's was looking at agency of objects in juggling performance, so she's doing a master's in juggling. She finished that, and she's now doing a PhD at York that's actually looking at the anthropology of juggling clubs and juggling performance, and she's just become a terrific young woman, very knowledgeable great juggler, great performer, um, and uh, and just a lot of fun to be around. So aside from the people who pursue the academic side of mm-hmm. learning more and more about juggling, when you mentioned about the other fellow that went to Sweden to study at a circus school, yep. uh, where do a lot of these people end up in terms of if you want to be serious about juggling, what sort of directions can they go in? So there's, you know, two broad categories of people who juggle. There's people who juggle just for themselves, just for fun. And so that's me. You know, I juggle, I juggle to enjoy it. And then there are people who are into the discipline for the performance, and that's actually how they want to make their living. That's what they want their life to be. And that's the people who go off and commit to spending time at circus school. Um, and they can end up in a wide variety of places. I have friends performing with various Cirque du Soleil shows touring the world right now. Um, I have friends who have gone to circus school Uh, toured with circuses for a while and then said, you know what, I really prefer being a street performer. I like being out on the street. I like the edginess. Um, I like being in control of my own schedule. So you end up with people doing that and then you end up with people in small circuses, people who are doing corporate shows. Um, They can end up in all kinds of different places. And then, of course, some people, you know, like any other career, people will start off in juggling and then they'll ultimately find themselves as an urban planner in Ithaca, New York. (laughs) 
I had completely forgot about Cirque du Soleil and the impact that that has had. I was thinking of circuses in terms of the traditional under the big top with the animals and all that stuff. But uh, Cirque du Soleil has, I would imagine, provided a lot more positions for folks who are jugglers and want to make a career out of it. Uh, there are certainly some. Uh, in most Cirque shows have maybe one juggler, uh, sometimes a very small number of jugglers. And then some of their shows, depending on what they're doing, for example, one of their shows has a troupe of about uh, 12 jugglers who actually are doing primarily Diablo, which is like a large yo-yo. And they're all pretty much teenage kids from China, and they just get rotated through. So um, yes and no. Uh, Cirque du Soleil has been very important for the community because it has helped raise the awareness of circus as a legitimate performing art. Um, circus has been seen as a legitimate performing art in Europe for a very long time. But in North America, circus was those people who ride around in trains with elephants, and it wasn't really seen as being legitimate performance. Mm-hmm. And Cirque du Soleil has really helped with that. Now, with respect to uh, North America, because you brought that up, in terms of the opportunities, if uh, more people are looking at circuses as the riding around in trains with elephants, and those are disappearing because of a whole pile of different reasons. Yep. So the, the opportunities aside from Cirque du Soleil? Um, so there are uh, a lot of uh, co- circus companies in what is called the New, new Circus Movement. Uh, and so New Circus is trying to integrate storylines and dance and music and movement um, and theater into the circus-style performance. Uh, typically no animals, typically all human skills. And there are a really large number of circus companies that are doing that right now. So there's uh, out of Quebec, there's Cirque Os, uh, there's Cirque Loise, uh, there's uh, Les Sept Doigts de la Main. They actually performed in Kingston last fall. Um, Cirque, uh, I think it's Cirque Loise is coming to the Grand Theater this fall with a performance. Um, so there's these touring groups of uh, theatrical um, circus shows that are happening, um, and they're they're being quite successful financially. When it comes to looking at the uh, approach that people take when they're doing their art, when they're throwing the balls up in the air or mm-hmm. whatever it happens to be, there is the traditional, I'm standing still and throwing the balls in the air. Right. And then there are people who are moving while they're doing that. And I'm sure there are other disciplines or other forms of juggling that people would have seen but may not know what they're called or how that works. Right. So, yeah, juggling is is tremendously broad. Um, the You know, the three main props for what are called toss juggling, which is where you throw something up in the air and catch it, um, are balls, clubs, and rings. Um, audience probably knows uh, what we call clubs. Most people call pins, um, but jugglers call them clubs. Um, so that's the kind of your classic juggling. But then beyond that, um, there's a style of juggling called contact juggling, which was uh, really popularized by Michael Motion. It's in the movie Labyrinth, where you're rolling a ball around your body. Uh, there's what's called the Diablo, which I mentioned earlier, which is like an oversized yo-yo that's manipulated by a string that's held between two sticks. Um, flower stick and devil stick, which is a long stick that you manipulate with two hand sticks. Um, there's hat juggling, um, which is a very long-standing traditional style of juggling, people juggling hats. Um, cigar boxes, so those are boxes that literally look like boxes you would hold cigars in, although these days they're custom-built for juggling, and so you're manipulating three, four, or five boxes and moving them in intricate patterns. Um, there's a Japanese skill toy called the kendama, which is kind of like the French cups and balls, um, only because it's Japanese, it's way more complicated and much cooler. <laughs> um, and these are all things that people either enjoy playing with or, or performing with. Okay. 
One of the things I saw on your website or something that you sent me in preparation for this particular conversation, we talked about uh, juggling as performance, as art, as performance art, as a hobby, or as a sport. Can you differentiate those for us? Right. So, I mean, juggling is just a thing, and you can use it any way. Um, so, obviously, most people are familiar with juggling as performance. There is also juggling as sport. And so that's where you're actually having competitions. Uh, the most obvious competition is, you know, pick a large number of objects and say, all right, who can juggle this the longest? Uh, and there are lots of different ways you can structure that kind of competition. And some people are very serious about that. Um, there's something called joggling, which is running while juggling. And uh, there are, uh, there's an annual joggling competition that the International Jugglers Association holds. Um, there are people who are breaking world's records for marathons and half marathons and so on. Um, and then there's juggling as a hobby, which is what I do. Um, I juggle for me. I juggle because it's a lot of fun. I enjoy the people. I enjoy, uh, enjoy teaching juggling. I enjoy learning new things in juggling. Um, and, you know, 20 years into my juggling career, I'm still learning all kinds of new stuff every day, which is the great thing about juggling because you can always push it just one step farther. Add one more object. Add one more complication to the thing that you're doing. Add one more person. Um, and you can just always find new ways to make it interesting. So it's always fresh. That's something that applies almost to every passion that people have is the ability to learn something new every day as yeah, you're working yeah. your way through it. Yeah, I, I don't understand how you could be passionate about something that, that didn't involve learning something new. Right. What about the articles? Now, we've already talked a little bit about it in terms of uh, the things that you use to juggle with. Yeah. Most people are familiar with balls or pins, as we would call them, and you call them clubs? Yes. Okay. What else would you be juggling with? Or what's the most popular? Is ball, are balls the most popular? Balls are the most popular, and that's certainly the object that you'll start with because they're the easiest to hold, the easiest to control. Um, as soon as you introduce something like clubs, now you've got the club is going to flip over in the air, and it not only has to come down into your hand, but the handle needs to be pointing the right way when it shows up. Um, so that's a lot of fun. Um, of course, uh, most of these things, you can get versions of them that you can set on fire, um, which is street performers love it, you know, particularly performing in the evening or at the night. It looks really impressive. Hopefully you get a big hat, make lots of money. That's great. Um, clubs and, uh, and, and torches in particular, torches are a lot of fun for the juggler as well um, because they make a nice whooshing sound. Um, they actually feel different in the air because of the turbulence from the fire uh, is cool. And of course, the hard thing about juggling clubs, especially in the dark, is the bit you can see is not the bit you want to grab. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I read somewhere where there is a correlation between juggling and math. There is. Is that uh, something that we can uh, talk about in simplistic terms for those of us who are not math majors? Yeah, I'll, I'll take a crack at explaining kind of the simple end of it. Um, so in juggling, uh, one of the important things is the order in which the objects are going to land. So if, I th if I'm doing a, you know, the classic juggling pattern, which is called the cascade, um, I throw an object from one hand and then from the other and then from the other back and forth. And the first object I throw is also the first object that's going to land. But if I take that object and if I throw it much higher in the air, then I can make a couple of throws underneath it. And maybe the third object I throw is actually the one that lands first. And so that idea of landing order um, changes the kinds of patterns you can juggle. And so the simplest version of the the system is you say, um, I'm going to imagine there's a metronome ticking. I'm going to throw on every beat, left hand, right hand, left hand, right hand. And every time I make a throw, I'm going to write down how many beats later is that object going to be back in my hand and I have to deal with it. 
And it turns out that there's actually some very deep mathematics about the kinds of sequences of numbers that you get when it comes out of that. And it really excites mathematicians. I'm not a mathematician, I'm a software engineer. But as a practicing juggler, you can actually design juggling patterns on paper and then juggle them in the air. And that is that was an innovation came out in about the 1980s. Um, and it has completely changed the face of both hobby juggling and performing juggling. Really? Yeah. It's not as complicated as I thought it would be. No, understood the, most of that. The easy end of it is really just counting. Now, in terms of juggling worldwide, are there pockets where it's more popular than others? I think that used to be true, but it's becoming less and less true now. There are jugglers pretty much everywhere you might go in the world. There's a huge juggling community in South America, all over North America, Europe, and Asia. Um, Africa is probably the the place where it's taking the longest to catch on, uh, but that's just because it's taking a long time. You know, juggling is something that you do as a hobby when you can afford to do it, um, and it's really just now that there's a large enough community in Africa um, that actually has the leisure to pursue a, a passion like juggling. But there are some really large circus schools in Africa as well. So there are people juggling everywhere around the world now. Now, when it comes to these uh, juggling or community groups that have spread it up all over the place, I'm curious to know how the marketing of that has happened, if you have any sense of that. Uh, for those of us who are not familiar with much about juggling and were surprised to hear that there are groups all over. I mean, these groups have been around since you said, what, the 60s and 70s and 80s. Yeah. Uh, how have they spread so quietly, if you will? Well, a lot of it's just word of mouth. Um, you know, juggling is frankly not for everyone. There's an awful lot of work that's required before you start to get some satisfaction out of it. Um, you know, learning, learning to juggle uh, three balls, you can typically learn that in anywhere between 15 minutes and a couple hours, depending on your own physical level of skill. Um, and that's one of my very favorite things in juggling is teaching someone to juggle and then watching the look on their face the first time they get it. Mm -hmm. It's just that, that look of absolute amazement. I can do this thing. This is, this is awesome. Um, but then to get beyond that, you know, it, it, it does require a lot of dedicated practice and it only appeals to certain people. Um, but a lot of the juggling, it spreads by word of mouth. Um, it's like any other kind of uh, passion. You know, we try and get out there and promote it in the community as much as we can. So we do things like we participate in the Princess Street Promenade. Um, we'll go into schools and, uh, and do um, school workshops. Um, we'll uh, juggle at community events. Kind of anything that we can do to get the word out. Like you said, you have to be dedicated to really go far with juggling in general because it's not something that you can make a lot of money at unless you're a circus performer or really ded dedicate your whole life to doing that. Right. Yeah. But I, you know, I like it to liken it to people who play, for example, Ultimate Frisbee. You know, you're not out playing Ultimate Frisbee hoping to make a living in the major leagues of Ultimate Frisbee. You're out there because it's a lot of fun. Um, juggling is a lot of fun as well. And, uh, you know, the particular part of juggling that I really love is uh, juggling that involves other people. So we're actually juggling with other people. Um, that's really the best. That is just an amazing amount of fun. I was watching a little video that you sent me about you going around in a circle and juggling with different people on a floor. And I don't know how many groups there were on the floor, but it looked like a lot of fun. Yeah, it was. Um, and that video was filmed uh, in uh, Germany at a, a festival called Pass Out. Uh, last Christmas, uh, and that's a festival specifically for club passers, so people who are doing multi-person multi club stuff. And that particular community is actually the extreme nerdy end of the, of the juggling community. So we're working on things that are 
inherently very, very complex. So that pattern I showed you, it's uh, it's got about 24 seconds worth of juggling. It's four people running through a very complicated pattern. It took us probably two and a half hours to get it to the point where we could juggle it for 24 seconds without it all falling apart. Mm-hmm. You talked about festivals and there is one coming up at the end of October. Tell us about that. Yes, there is. It's our sixth annual Limestone City Juggling Festival, which is the festival that we host here in town. Uh, runs the full weekend from Friday evening through Sunday. During the festival itself, there'll be an open gym uh, for people to juggle in. We'll be offering workshops at all levels, including for absolute beginners. So if you've never juggled before, come into the festival. We'll teach you how to juggle. Attendance of the festival is absolutely free. Um, There are more advanced workshops going on, uh, mainly more aimed at jugglers. There's going to be some juggling games on the Saturday afternoon. Uh, And then we have our big show, which is going to be in the KCBI Auditorium on the Saturday evening, which uh, is open to the public and which we'd love to see lots of people at. What kind of performances will we see on the Saturday night? So our headliners are uh, two guys from the U.S., uh, one from Colorado and one from Ohio. They call themselves the... uh, um, the plaid lads, um, dress in plaid. Um, they'll be doing some, some difficult technical juggling. They'll be doing some comedy. There's going to be some stand-up comedy. Uh, and then in the opening part of the show, uh, which they're going to MC, uh, I think we have five or six different juggling acts. Every act is completely different, completely different discipline. We've got people doing hats. We've got people doing contact juggling. Uh, we've got people doing uh, balls and rings and clubs. Um, And it's going to be just a fantastic mix of circus performance, uh, music, comedy, dance, uh, just a wonderful, wonderful show. Um, And it's only adult tickets are $15, and that includes two kids with every adult within the $15 ticket. So it's about the cheapest evening you can imagine. Uh, Students are $10, and then additional kids are $5. What's contact juggling? Contact juggling is where you have a ball and you roll it over the surface of your body. Okay. You're not contacting somebody else. No, no. Okay. <laughs> there is that as well, though. Yeah, there's a, a a juggling game that's called Combat, and if you uh, just Google Combat Juggling, you'll come up with lots of great videos. It's the classic style of combat is everybody starts juggling at the same time, and the last person still juggling wins, and you're not allowed to to uh, interfere with the other person, but you're allowed to interfere with their juggling pattern, knock knock things out of the air. There's all kinds of stuff. There is, yeah. It's crazy. If people want more information about the club or about the festival, where do they go? To kingstonjugglers.club. Or if you can't remember that, just Google Kingston Jugglers and we will pop up. Um, That's got some information about the club, when we meet, contact info, the info about our festival, and uh, anything else you might want to know. And everything's there. Everything's there. Good. Thank you very much for coming in. Enjoyed the conversation. It has been a delight. Thank you. Theme music for the program is Stasis Oasis, a tune written and performed by Kingston musician Tim Aylesworth. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions about any of our episodes, please send a note to the Kingstonian Podcast Facebook page. This is Dave Cunningham from Kingston, Ontario. Thank you for listening. Until next time.